This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. And welcome to another edition of The Spoiler Room. Happy holidays, everyone, or whatever holiday you celebrate. We're getting festive, bloody festive here today on The Spoiler Room. It is December, so I figured, why not talk about a Christmas movie? Now, uh, the reason what also caused me to do this, I was watching this movie, and I'm like, after I finished it, I'm like, Ah, I've, I've, I've got to talk about this one. So today we're talking about A Christmas Horror Story. It's an anthology, multi-layered uh, film, uh, multiple stories going on, and I've got a great crew tonight to help talk about this very interesting uh, horror anthology. First off, we have the diva of the spoiler room, Miss Dawn. Hello, Dawn. How are you today? Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. Hello. Glad to have you here. And next to her is <laughs> <laughs> the spoiler room regular, the BFD, Mr. Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. Hi. Hi. He says hi with no. the pie. Huh? Oh, he said pie. pie. Uh, he's, he, he's enjoying some holiday pie today. And uh, next to BFD is the bowtie man himself, Paul Salzer. Hello, Paul. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing well. Appreciate you coming on. And we have a returning guest. She hasn't been here for quite a while. Listen to her sweet, sweet pipes on the new Film Jerks 2.0, which she is on with Paul. And it is Miss Angelique Bone is here today. Hello, Angelique. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad you could join us. Always glad to have some fresh blood in the spoiler room. And blood is right because uh, tonight's movie is definitely bloody and uh, Christmassy. So it covers all the bases. Uh, according to IMDb, the way it describes it, interwoven stories that take place on Christmas Eve as told by one festive radio host. A family brings more home than a Christmas tree. A student documentary becomes a living nightmare. A Christmas spirit terrorizes and Santa slaves evil. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, pick, I admit, when I watched this, we picked this as random. We were doing a commentary show for We Live Entertainment, and I was looking at a film on what to watch and a kind of a holiday horror film, and I'm like, just randomly picked this one. And I will say... The cover art for this film does not do the film justice, and I think that right there might have turned some people off. Uh, we'll start with Angelique tonight, uh, since she's the newest uh, voice here. Angelique, when you saw the cover of A Christmas Horror Story and then you saw the movie, wouldn't you say that the cover really is just misleading and put off-putting? I wouldn't say off-putting. It is misleading in that it's just it's just Santa standing there, right, or Santa's face, well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. There were two of them. There's a Santa with just his face, or the one with uh, Krampus and his chain whipping around Santa, like okay. it's Santa versus Krampus is the whole story. I've only seen the Santa's face one. Ah, I mean, okay. He's not the most friendly-looking Santa Claus. Sure. So it was kind of like. Are we doing a Silent Night, Deadly Night kind of thing, or is this something <laughs> different? But uh, I didn't watch it by choice. I was home visiting my parents, and my mom was like, we're watching this. I said, okay. 
And, and were you surprised by the film? Pleasantly surprised, yes. Yes. I will say I was pleasantly surprised too, uh, especially considering the cover looks like an asylum pictures reject. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Paul, what about you? Were you uh, kind of surprised by this film, given how it kind of looks and even how it was described? Uh, Based on the cover, I would say that it is very misleading. It does kind of look like a Swedish death metal like record. (laughs) It really does. I mean, it looks really awesome, stylized. You got that Krampus with his horns. He's got that chain whipping around Santa Claus, and got Santa Claus with his back up there. He's kind of like a, I don't know, like a Norse god type thing, carrying a spear, ready to attack. But when you actually get to watch the story, that's just one one fourth of the of the stories that are going on. You know, there's a lot of other things going on, which which makes the story a lot more appealing. So I actually was very pleasantly surprised, and I was glad that you uh, suggested this movie to watch. Awesome to hear, and we will dive into each of these stories. But I just want to get the initial reactions of everybody when they saw this compared to what uh, <laughs> you see before going into it. Uh, Glenn, what about you? Uh, when you saw this, was were you surprised it was rather different than the cover? I didn't see the cover at all. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Nope. Where did you you end up seeing this? Was it online as I, well? I just no? searched on Netflix and hit play. I didn't even look at the. <laughs> It, it, did it surprise you, considering it was a random kind of pick? I knew it was an anthology, so mm-hmm. no. No, but no. Uh, quality production, everything, you thought it was decent? Not a real surprise for you? It was decent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, better than I, I'd say better than most uh, direct-to-video stuff, especially stuff that's holiday-themed. How about you, Don? Did this film surprise you uh, once you started watching it? Yes, I was. All right. I, yes. So the cover art you'd mentioned. Yes. Yeah, it was very asylum-like. And so I went into it expecting, you know, cheesy Sharknado of the Christmas variety. And I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, the, the Krampus creature looked as good on film as the cover art, which, yay. <laughs> Rarely and, happens. And, yeah. And, and. I wasn't. I was also expecting. Um, once I realized it was an anthology film, I was expecting it to be the one following the other, following the other, rather than everything intertwined so thoroughly. Yeah, I I liked that bit too. When I saw anthology, I thought immediately that it was going to be okay. Chapters, you're going to be like kind of a crypt keeper type of thing, where it's going to be a wraparound. And you're going to get, you know, the short stories. I did not expect them to be uh, interconnected the way they did. And I like that. That was, fr- that, you know, that was surprising uh, to me on it. And so you do get these interconnected stories going on. And they are loosely, I guess, all tied together thanks to a, a very familiar face who is a DJ in the town where all of these creepy things are happening. We've got... Uh, haunting of a school that kind of goes awry, a school project investigating the haunting. We've got, uh, you know, we've got this uh, kind of creepy thing that happens to a kid on Christmas after they go hunting for a Christmas tree. There's a dysfunctional family that kind of has the uh, sins 
come to surface and are haunted by Krampus. And then there's Santa taking on zombie elves. Trust me, it'll all make sense. Uh, but Shantner, I, you know, Shantner was hilarious in this, and he's funny in general. But, Glenn, did you get the idea that they just gave him some whiskey and a microphone and said, here, talk for about half an hour and, and hit these points at some point? <laughs> Probably. Um, I don't, I mean, I, he's Shatner, so I mean, I'm sure they didn't tell him much. I don't think he's capable of taking direction very well. Um, <laughs> as, in, as in, I don't think he wants to. I mean, he's, you know, his rather inflated ego even still. <laughs> it's amazing they fit it in the radio booth, but I, I liked him in this. I kind of liked his character and how he got kind of drunk as he went on. And especially when you get to the big reveal at the end, the way he's talking makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Sure. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, he's mentioning things about the mall and that, and you're like, okay. Yeah. And then you realize they're connected. No. The description gives the impression he's telling these stories. I never got that impression that he was telling the stories as much as they were just occurring all at the same time. That's kind of the impression I got, too. Yeah, so the description's a little off on that. Paul, what would you think of Shantner? I liked his character. Uh, I thought it was a good rapper for this film. Um, he's just, he seemed very, you know, the, he's the type of character that I would expect this story to have mm -hmm. is is and like you said as he goes along he you know the short amount of time that you see him on screen he does develop as a character you know he starts you know starting out kind of normal and then he gets more and more drunk and he gets a little bit more loose and <laughs> and i really enjoyed that about him because as as he loosened up i think the audience was given permission to loosen up as well you know mm -hmm. so it felt good yeah, it, I will say, you know, for who he is, it surprised me he showed up in a direct-to-video <laughs> film like this, which makes me wonder if they had higher aspirations for this movie at one point. What about you, Angelique? You think that? Because it surprised me that even for Shantner, and I know he hasn't been a lot, that he would show up as a cameo in, in a direct-to-video movie like this. I mean, even for direct-to-video, the quality of this film is amazing. Mm -hmm. I was so impressed. You know, there was not that much CGI. There was a lot of practical going on, and it was just really well made, well shot. And, I mean, even just the, the cutaways that, that melted into each different section, including the DJ sections, were just spot on. So maybe, I, I, maybe, I don't know. You know, maybe he was given the story and was like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'm in. Give me yeah, some whiskey. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, you get a bottle of whiskey with it, too. All right. I'm in. Um, <laughs> Don, for you, too, did it surprise you that Shantner showed up in a film like this? I mean, the production is high. So do you think as well that, that maybe they were expecting possibly getting a wide release? I think maybe, maybe they probably expected a wider release um either that or they're expecting one heck of a cult following mm -hmm. um because it seems that uh christmas themed horror is is becoming more popular 
We do seem to have a lot more of it than we did uh, even 10, 15 years ago. It really seems to come along. And, you know, I mean, we even had wide release films like Krampus, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> last year, which, which I enjoyed quite a bit and surprised that it made it to the big screen. And, in fact, one of those things is while I'm watching this film, I'm like, wow, I can't believe this film didn't actually get wide release. Uh, because of the quality, the people, the acting, and, and the fact you even have that Shantner uh, cameo in it, you know, at least a little more screens than, than what it was. I think it mostly lived on the festival circuit. So we're going to dive into the stories here. Besides being introduced to the DJ, Mr. William Shantner, uh, who has a co-worker who's heads down to the mall, we have a couple of other stories going on. In fact, we are introduced uh, first to the kids who are uh, doing a investigation of the haunting, and we're going to talk about this story first. They intertwine, uh, but we're going to. I think we're going to take each story separately uh, here, just to uh, for consistency's sake. So, so this one, the teens investigating the haunted house. Uh, which ties into the, one of the other stories because the cop who, well, haunted school because it ties into one of the other stories because two kids ki uh, died in the basement of the school mysteriously and people think it's haunted and uh, a cop who shows up later was in part of the investigation. But this film, uh, this story first, I thought for me, uh, was kind of the weakest, in all honesty, uh, for the most part, for this one, because it felt, I don't know, the, the least deep. I'm not sure. Maybe I took it wrong. Don, how'd you feel about the storyline with the girl and the two camera guys going in the basement and that? Uh, how'd you feel about this story? It's, it's your basic supernatural ghost possession story. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I don't think that they went real deep with it. Um, but then again, they didn't really have time to do a thorough job of it. Sure. But I mean, just out of all of them, this one felt like the most, not to say cliche, but basic. <laughs> uh, considering the other stories to what we had. Uh, though I will say, it, there's a moment in here, and there's a reason why this was unrated, that it gets uncomfortable at one point in this film with a specific scene uh, that involves the girl because they go down in this basement and they're supposed to be haunted and some really creepy stuff happens and they're investigating and it's revealed that there's a spirit of a girl down there. And Glenn, how'd you feel about the story? Really? Uh, was, would you say this one was probably the, the most basic or cliche. The, cliche. Thank you. Cliche. <laughs> uh, and what was it that was there? Uh, you know, when you watched it, what would you say stood out for you first and foremost? Besides it being cliche, that it just uh, followed all this typical. It followed all the standard stuff. This, it, it, it's it's part of the problem I had with this entire film mm -hmm. was that you had a couple of fun stories. And you had a couple of duds. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they do this, let's cut between all of them throughout the whole film. I'm like, oh, this part's really good. Oh, and now we're back to the freaking school. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Great. I'm going to just check my Facebook. Um, 
and it was it was the problem I had with it is that you have this not really for the most part interconnected stories. I mean, there's that little bit. It's like oh, right. that one girl from that story knows these people. Okay, mm -hmm. okay, that's not really a big connection. They're not really tying anything together with it. Um, so there's no need to do this shooting back and forth. I think it would have been better served doing it just as like a Tales from the Crypt type thing where you, you know, or sorry, creep show, where you just go boom, 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 there's your four shorts, you're done. Wrap up on the whole Santa one. <laughs> the Santa one, which we will talk maybe, about. Maybe even open with Santa and then do the other ones mm -hmm. and then finish the Santa one at the end. Something like that. Oh, that yeah, that would have been, that been better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say that the cutting I, I did find it interesting, but at the same time, you're you're right. You'd get into one of the stories and then you cut back to the other one that might not be quite your favorite. Uh, Angelique, how about you? Uh, with this first story, would you say it's probably the most cliche? And would you have preferred it going in order a little more in chapters versus cutting back and forth? I would have preferred that they just do three stories instead of four, actually. <laughs> <laughs> kind of skip this one? <laughs> yeah, this one was just, eh, you know, like, you know, as everybody said, it's just completely cliche. And I'm sorry, her skirt was way too short for the weather <laughs> up there. She was not dressed appropriately for the conditions. <laughs> she, she was not dressed appropriately to go investigating for ghosts, in other words. <laughs> You know, that, that, actually my didn't, that, that didn't bother me at all because living in Milwaukee, when I go down to North Avenue on a night like tonight where it's probably, what, five degrees out, there'll yeah. be girls out there in miniskirts running between the bars mm, because mm. you got to look fashionable. Sure. I'd rather not get frostbite. Well, yeah, but frostbite, Especially doesn't, there. frostbite doesn't play into impressing the boys. Well, I mean, I guess if you lose a leg, you got a cool story, but... There you go. Positive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, certain things might uh, get frostbit that you don't want frostbit, like Don <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> well, I noticed, you know, I noticed at first, when they first got out of the car, she had... Uh, not tights, but like thigh-high stockings that went all almost all the way up to the bottom of the skirt. Mm -hmm. And by the time we get towards that end, it was the stockings were just peeking above the boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she had to try to, um, you know, she was trying to seduce the first guy who had who was the boyfriend of her her best friend, who was in in the another one of the other stories so you know she had to roll the stockings down a bit but uh yeah i don't know uh paul did you feel this was cliche uh i didn't find it as cliche as like it seems like the rest of you did mm -hmm. i did agree that it is the weaker of the four stories uh but i did get enjoyment out of this story because i looked into it as as kind of a peer pressure Mm -hmm. uh, reflection. These are teen teen people having to deal with relationships and and coming together and and the whole the whole stereotype. They they start out with the ghosts past and the the whole school used to be a coven type of place and and this area was where they kept all the unwed you know mothers mm -hmm. and and I thought that okay that that's that's what the story is about. It's about uh, being locked in this kind of stereotype of 
of the modern day and they extended it out to these people these all these millennial i guess type people and how the times have changed with them how the relationships are done i mean uh you actually had a decent guy say no i'm not going to have sex with you i have a girlfriend <laughs> you know chris, chris that earned him a, a cross in the eye it did but you know <laughs> Maybe maybe that's a reflection of modern day times. I I, I really don't know. Well, yeah, I get your religion right here. Right here, but, uh, you know, and and it's just it. That's that. I did get that kind of enjoyment, uh, and and I do enjoy supernatural horror uh, sure. as well. So that's why I think I got a little bit more out of this uh, this particular segment. That's true. You you are a big supernatural. Yeah, fan. love that stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, with this one, I, I, I feel with kind of the others. I'm glad you enjoyed it more. Uh, I will say that the, the sex scene a bit was. I was we were I was watching that with uh, Chase when we were doing the commentary. We were like, okay, so this is why it's unrated. <laughs> this and one of the other stories as well. Which uh, we'll move to the second one now. I, I think, and uh, this one is the the dysfunctional family one. Uh, Don, what'd you think about this one that involved the Krampus monster? Probably the most unlikable characters in the entire film. Yeah, every single one of these family members you didn't really give a shit about, did you? Oh, no, they were horrible. <laughs> and the more you found out about them, the worse they were. I, I mean, you've got the you've got the sex kitten daughter mm -hmm. uh, who we were introduced to, you know, the, the one boy, the cross in the eye boy, that's his girlfriend, uh, who is the only semi-decent one out of them, and she's apparently a kleptomaniac. Right. You've got the father trying to screw his aunt out of money because he's going to go bankrupt and go to jail because he's been lying and stealing and cheating money out of his clients. And you've got the mother who's a vapid whore. <laughs> oh and don't forget duncan the kid who killed all the family pets <laughs> that's right how could i forget how can you forget little innocent duncan who i will say as one of the better moments in here when the dad goes i want some family bonding time and he gives the best look i think though from the back of the car that i was just like <laughs> yeah that's really a typical kid uh yeah I, I like, though, the look of Krampus in this and the design uh, of him. He looked really good, I thought, especially. Oh my God, did you see the picture of the actor who plays that, who plays Krampus? They didn't have to do much. <laughs> <laughs> Krampus, Krampus is a beefcake. He, he was a beefcake, wasn't he, Angelique? But uh, <laughs> would you agree that these are probably the most deplorable characters and probably the most fitting, though, to have Krampus go and gut them with his hook? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of sad that they didn't all die, but, you know, the story had to go on. Yeah, I thought it was inter interesting, though, but this one and the previous one, all the, the ending of this movie calls into question all four of these stories. And we're going to get to that at the end, but just to give you something to think about is makes you wonder, though, how much was real and how much was imagined as far as the Krampus monster goes. Uh, just like in the previous one, how much of that ghost story was actually real? 
you know, it, I, I started calling into questions all these things as as the film ended, going, well, maybe. So uh, just something to chew on there for that. So, uh, yeah, this family, Glenn, did you have any thoughts on this this story here? Did you enjoy it? Did you uh, like the look of Krampus? How would you feel about this one? I mean, Krampus was all right. I mean, for, for a direct-to-video movie, I mean, I, I had – I did have fears when I could hear him, mm -hmm. and I couldn't see him. I'm like, oh, God, just don't be some CG wreck. Just <laughs> don't be some CG nightmare that looks like it came from a rejected 1993 video game. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad it wasn't that. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I mean, fine, let the people all get killed. That's fine, especially the, the, the boy. God, I just... I, I wanted Krampus to pop up on the spot when he knocked that figure on the table and just like, that's it, you're dead. Rip, <laughs> rip, his, ar rip his arms off and throw him in the fire. Um, but, again, parts of it, it's just, I was, because they were so unlikable, it's like I didn't care. Right. It's, yeah. it's I, I, I think these seven things work best. I mean, you're going to have some people unlikable because if you want someone to die, you don't want to feel too bad about everyone who dies. You want to feel bad about someone. Mm -hmm. You want to feel. You want to at least feel connect to somebody and say, "Oh man, you know, that person didn't really deserve it." I mean, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, to a degree. I mean, you can say, "Well, yeah, they were jerks," but I mean, being a jerk doesn't really mean you should be eviscerated by a, a demon, demonic Christmas spirit. But for for a completely unrelated reason, I w connected to the aunt's butler. Okay. <laughs> so, are you Krampus secretly then, Don? Well, well, amusingly, I recognized him from something else. Oh, okay. uh, the actor being oh, Julia Richings yeah. yeah. in Death from Supernatural oh, yeah. and you know various other things, but you knew what was going to happen. I mean, that's death. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? They could easily probably spin it and attach it to Supernatural. So, uh, but I love I love the design of the creature and everything with this and that family. It's already attached to um, ginger um, ginger snaps. Yep. Oh, really? How's that? The town, the town that they're in, is actually yeah. uh, Bailey Downs. Yeah, Bailey Downs is, is yeah is the actual town. <laughs> really? I yep. didn't even pick. I didn't remember ginger snaps. So my wife loves it, but yeah. the um, filmmakers are uh, involved in that film. Oh, Films, well, that was, uh, I should say. So they're trying to build their own. Uh, universe <laughs> universe because everybody that's what everybody does now yeah, everybody does it yes the, we're just the castle connect. rock of canada <laughs> the krampus <laughs> avengers <laughs> i will say and angelique you, you mentioned canada i will say that their accent slipped in in the church scene <laughs> that you knew this was canada at first i was wasn't quite sure but would you say that uh when their dialogue started there when they got to the aboot uh, yeah. <laughs> did you did you hear that at all, or was that just me? I didn't catch it. But oh, I you just, didn't catch yeah, it. Yeah, I just knew this was Canada. Oh, I could smell it. <laughs> <laughs> I can smell the poutine. <laughs> she, she smells the boots and the bat bacon. Uh, no, for me though, I caught the dialogue. I was listening, and all of a sudden, I'm watching, and all of a sudden, wait, I went, wait, what? Did they just? And then it came up again, real quick, and I'm like. Oh, this is Canadian. Because <laughs> I hadn't looked up anything on this movie. It was just a blind pick. So, uh, yeah. So, 
I will say I do like uh, how she finished off Krampus in this, and they led you to believe, I think, for a little bit she was going to go for the chainsaw because she was crawling and there was a chainsaw and the gasoline. And I thought she was going to go for the chainsaw, but she went for the easier of the two, I guess, which is the gasoline. So uh, there was a little unpredictability there. But, yeah, the Krampus one had some really crappy uh, people you don't like, uh, well-performed, and you were happy that Krampus uh, killed them all, basically, well, most of them, and took one over. So, You know, on further reflection, I bet by the end of that one, you were actually supposed to be liking Krampus, considering where he went next and what was revealed next. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, it once was revealed at the end of the film made you call into question a number of these stories of what was real and what wasn't. Uh, you know, it, it, I would watch that going, huh, I wonder just how much was this fanciful, you know, imagination and how much was it uh, real, you know. So, uh, which leads us to the third story, which I, I really enjoyed this one quite a bit because this was one that didn't really know what they were going to do with it when it first started out. And it's the cop, and he's the same cop who investigated the deaths in the school, which happened a year earlier on Christmas Eve. And he's with his family, and they go into the land where it's posted you're not supposed to go for that perfect Griswold Christmas tree. Uh, and the- <laughs> <laughs> didn't it have that feeling? Oh, yes, it did. <laughs> it, it, it felt like I'm like, oh my god, they're they're kind of doing the Griswold Christmas there. Uh, and uh, the little boy is with the mom and dad, and he gets lost, and they supposedly find him out of the tree vagina. Uh, and take him home, but there's something a little off about him. And as this story plays out, we find out things are really off with him. And it involves a changeling and a creepy old white guy. Uh, yeah, Paul, how'd you feel about this story? Uh, I thought the this story was the best acted out of the uh, mm-hmm. out of the uh, segments. Uh, but I also didn't. But I didn't think it was the strongest story. I actually did prefer the previous story. Um, the family storyline. Yeah, I, I liked that family, even though the characters weren't as strong as the ones in here. Uh, the se- this segment was this beautifully acted. You know, you've got the the two main characters kind of acting off each other. The kid was super creepy, and uh, that the white guy that you're talking about is just Big Earl. He just. <laughs> My God, he just, at first I thought, okay, th- th- this, this story is going to be something about him maybe kidnapping the, the little kid. And then there's like, no, no. And, and then it's like, okay, maybe this guy's going to help out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he's, actually, he's actually a big kind of like monster in a way too. And so, yeah, I, I just liked the acting in this segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the story, folks, as it goes along as the little boy is actually was replaced with a changeling mm-hmm. and there's some really creepy things that go on with him if you put it mm-hmm. Glenn, what about uh the little changeling who decided a mom was uh kind of uh yeah how about that <laughs> yeah how, how about that <laughs> how'd you feel about this story Again, this is the other one that I just wasn't all that invested in. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it was okay. Um, 
trolls don't usually do changelings, so that part bothered me. But hey, you know, that's <laughs> yeah, well, fine. That's you know. fine <laughs> if you want to get your mythology screwed up. Canada, it's not like that's not like American <laughs> films haven't done it eighteen billion times too. Um, I it's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's. It, it again felt very cliched in the you know it's of course something possesses the kid, mm-hmm. dad has anger issues, mom defends kid until it's too late for dad. <laughs> really so, too late for dad. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Mom, mom seemed to have a few anger issues too with that bat there. Well, that was. But I mean, well, although with how 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 readily mom handled handled him. I'm like, how how did he kill dad and get his hand? I mean, he he snuck up on the dad though. Yeah, and the, dad, the, the dad was kind of drunk too. You know, uh, she's she's got more of that mom adrenaline going on. Tell, telling me anger issues, dad can has one glass of scotch and he's all, Bleh. nah, I don't buy it. <laughs> well, he, he is kind of uh, messed up. I think you know they're going for the post traumatic thing going on with yeah. it. Uh, Angelique, how how'd you feel about this story with this one? Um, I, I have to agree with Paul that it is probably the best acted. Uh, it's great. The the mom and everybody were really great. Um, not my favorite, but it did have some genuine uh, moments, especially <laughs> between mom and the kid and the, and the whole spaghetti thing. I'm just <laughs> like that was just oh, you know. I just you-, you know. My my thing is, all right. Your child stabs your husband. The solution is not go to your room. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how my mom would have solved that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the fact that the the child, as small as he is, and my children do have hearty appetites, but the fact that the kid was under the second helpings before they even sat down to eat would have should have been a little trigger saying something's not quite right with you. Well, I mean, the first, the first starters, I mean, your child hasn't spoken for four hours since you got mm-hmm. home from Christmas tree hunting. <laughs> I don't know the proper word there. I'm sorry. No, uh, that's, my, a, that's a good my term. My tree is made of plastic, so. <laughs> but, like, my thing, uh, your kid hasn't spoken at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's up, kiddo? <laughs> We're not going to just sit down and have a fun family dinner while you're acting all creepy. I, there's my maternal instinct right there. I'm just like, uh Yeah, you, you would have thought her maternal instinct would have kicked in a little bit more. Uh, though I do give her props that once the creepy old white guy called her on the phone and said, hey, uh, and I think that's what he, way he's credited it in the film, actually. But uh, the way he goes, you know, hey, your kid's actually a changeling. I give her credit for going and starting to look things up right away. That was a little unexpected, I will say that. You know, she just didn't sit there and go, eh, whatever, crazy guy. She actually started to look things up, like, immediately. Uh, Don, how'd you, how'd you feel about this one? Oh, this one creeped me out a lot. Yeah. I, I, I have weakness for child peril. It bothers me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that creeped me out. There was a few... Uh, moments of of that I kind of went, come on, you did so well up to now. Why you just no? But for the well, most part, were those the uh, shower scene and the bed scene? <laughs> did those bug uh, you? Those are the those. Well, yeah, they bug me. But I mean, <laughs> not not as much as like uh, what Glenn had said about 
they were doing so well for the most part up until uh, the plot holes of why, how did the kid manage to completely overpower dad? But mom took him out fairly quickly. Well, well, not just that. How did mom not hear it? That's not exactly Buckingham Palace that they were in. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're in kind of a a one bedroom or a two bedroom apartment, and she wasn't that far away. You would have thought. Oh, oh, go ahead. If if movies have taught me one thing, is that in movies, laws of physics don't apply. I mean, that's true. I've I've watched plenty of movies where where someone opens it with a machine gun. Going room to room, and every door they kick in, the people are like surprised that there's a guy with a machine gun. It's like he's been shooting this for like three minutes. What have you been doing? It's like there's a drywall wall between you and the room where he just murdered four people. How did you? Oh, there's a guy with a. This... I didn't think you'd come in here. <laughs> All the time, where it's it's like noise doesn't carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe they were both under the influence of some prescription drugs. I mean, like you said, Dad had some PTSD issues. He might have been taking his Xanax and playing Marilyn Monroe with the scotch. Or uh, Mom could have taken an Ambien. You know, it's modern but, times. But but again, so many other details were so well done. And that's, and that's why I had the problem with the, the little bit of slacking uh, in some areas. Because other areas were so well thought out. Yeah, that's uh, otherwise I thought it was a really well done segment and and probably probably yeah definitely the one that creeped me out the most I don't know that was necessarily my favorite but it was definitely the one that creeped me out the most it it was the creepiest one and I and I'll say that at, that scene with the dad where he's drinking and he's got the gun on the table made me wonder was he going to possibly do something at, if if he got enough courage or uh, Paul, what do you think? Because that was a little odd. He had the gun out and he was drinking and he's got a little uh, post-traumatic stress going on. That wasn't really a good combination. Oh, no, definitely not. But I think it's it just kind of heightens that scene, though. I think mm-hmm. it was meant to say, okay, this is, this is how far this guy could go and it could go even further. Uh, so I, I know I, I thought it was an okay thing mm-hmm. to do. And then we get to the changeling things where she takes the changeling to the end to the creepy old guy and then she, uh, she shoots him. Now, <laughs> I don't know. I think that was the kind of weak point, though. I was trying to figure out what kind of power did he have over the changelings? What do you think they were trying to go for, Angelique, with that? I mean, it felt like was he, you know, controlling them, keeper of them? Because they could have probably taken off whenever they wanted well, they, I mean, look at how easily the kid size one took down the veteran police officer, even with PTSD, mm-hmm. dad. So I'm, I'm thinking there may be some deleted scenes or something that we're not getting the whole story because he would have had to have some magical, mystical Control. hold to keep yeah. them in there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that it, because that whole this whole segment was kind of about family abuse and the the father being this this person that potentially could could hit the child i think that that was that's what he used to control him that fear 
because he was quite verbally abusive when when he when he went up to the the changeling when it was returned to him and he was he was just like screaming at the thing and and you could tell that that changeling was was in fear and he even mentions it to the to the wife saying that uh um that you know don't worry about them they all they're all afraid of me you know right and I, and I think that's the message it's like you know this this is he is the abusive father type of figure to the changeling and that's that's what kept him in line just generation after generation of abusive you know be, uh, behavior toward them well and it was his family land so he wasn't the only one who was abusive to him they were probably mm -hmm. suffering it at the hands of his family their whole changeling life exactly <laughs> so. that begs the question though that, that that makes it not quite make sense you know okay i'm a changeling and i'm i've got this little boy and here's this family who obviously <laughs> love this little boy why am i gonna be mean and destroy them why don't i just live it up be like yeah mom pass me the spaghetti this is great i'm hungry you know give me presents <laughs> don't murder everything that's <laughs> I don't know. Because it's nature. It's its nature. <laughs> I, I was going to say, maybe it was, you know, it's it's actual nature and it saw an opportunity to escape and inflict abuse on something that, because he's been suffering abuse for so long, maybe the Changely wanted to take that out on, he saw the opportunity to take it out on someone else. And he didn't do that until after the father became abusive toward him. Yeah. Yep. That's true. It didn't. He didn't really start doing creepy stuff until the dad took out the belt and and beat him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, but wait, wow. Didn't, didn't spaghetti stab happen before he beat him? It did. That's yeah. true. You're right. So spaghetti yeah. Stab. So. But he, he was being verbally abusive at that point too. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's true. But I don't know if that warranted. If I've got it pretty good and I don't have to go to abuse farm with fat old white guy. Uh, I don't know if I, <laughs> I'd, uh, sorry, I just, <laughs> uh, like that guy. I, I didn't like that guy at all. I like, yeah, all right. I'm glad that he got shot because <laughs> I didn't like him at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that one was about abuse and family and, uh, that, that was kind of the theme going on there. And then we get the last. Uh, story we want to talk about which is the story as I've alluded to throughout this episode that kind of called the question these other stories was uh, Santa and basically the zombie elves in the fight with Krampus uh, Don how about this one I, I I totally dug this one. Oh, so did I um, I, I am a fan of George Buza I like things he has been in so he was a fantastic pick for that role i i was wondering did anybody else have any catching on as will shatner is going through his spiel and talking about the stuff at the mall was there any any inkling that that's where it was headed oh with the santa zombies mm -hmm. I, I fully admit i didn't catch it glenn how about you did you know where that was going i did not Anyone else, Paul? I did because I wrote a short story about Black Friday that did the same exact thing. Only the security guard was uh, was uh, envisioning that all of the shoppers were the zombie shoppers. Mm -hmm. uh, were uh, that that reality was what he basically had a psychotic break. So all throughout this entire episode, I was like, "Oh wow, this is exactly it." And then when it happened. 
So that's awesome. That is yeah. cool. You Seriously. picked up on a yeah, because I but only only because I had written a story about it, and I, I think they had cleverly hid it. And 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 if you just watch it, you will see all the little hints. They're they're, they're it's almost not so subtle. I mean, they're they're it's there. Yeah, the second viewing for me too. I was paying more attention. I'm like, holy crap! Why didn't I pick this out before? Angelique, <laughs> did uh, did it surprise you? Totally. Yeah. Totally and completely. To find out that William Shatner's buddy, who went down to the mall, is actually the Santa, and he's not fighting zombie elves. No, no, he's fighting and killing people in the mall. Which Storm and Norman, the weatherman. Yes. <laughs> which I will say made me feel bad because. Uh, I think we're all kind of fans of Evil Dead here, and it had such an Evil Dead vibe, and I'm laughing as elves are getting <laughs> slaughtered. And, and my favorite scene, my favorite scene is where he takes the severed elf head and beats another elf yes. with it. <laughs> I, I was laughing so hard, my stomach hurt. I'm like, yes! And then at the end, we find out, no, oh, those weren't elves, those were real people and it was a psychotic break and then I went like uh, don't I feel like the asshole now <laughs> Soylent zombies are made of people <laughs> I did like that reveal though Angelique how, how'd you like how that played out Did you? Did, was that a nice uh, surprise my jaw dropped I was like what and it just it completely threw me and then just seeing I was so sad because I was like, <laughs> I was rooting for Santa the whole time. I was like, yeah, kick their ass, Santa. <laughs> and then the, it's just some poor dude in a ratty mall Santa suit with a fireman's axe. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, man. Oh, it's so bad, but it was so good. It was. and But wouldn't you say that that segment then kind of calls into question possibly what was real and what wasn't in the other stories or do you think it just was pertained to that story angelique oh man that's it's so <laughs> no, i'm gonna say no mm -hmm. i'm gonna say that, that that this is an independent story mm -hmm. because <laughs> you do have the town with all sure. this history and it the murder mm -hmm. and everything really happened yeah and that was my question to you guys. Was, is it, did this story call into question the other things? Glenn, would you say the other things actually happened and it just this story that was the alternate perception? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. So this, this is more creep, Creepyville, USA. Well, Canada. Creepyville, <laughs> Canada. Sorry. Not USA. Uh, that's what it's, it's all about. Creepy province. Like. Province, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But I did love, I still, I don't care. This is where the, all the practical effects they had in there, which surprised me, just looked so good and were so much fun seeing zombie elves taking Santa on. <laughs> I, it almost makes me wonder if they Sorry. came up. No, go ahead, Dodd. <laughs> I, I'm just picturing that scene, that first scene where Shiny cuts his hand with the axe and he's squirting blood everywhere, all over, all the other elves, it's getting everywhere. Oh my goodness, you didn't like my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> it, Mrs. Claus is kind of attractive too there, so uh, <laughs> okay. I'm just, just going to make that observation because I'm, I'm a horrible person. But I'll just say that I was looking at it going, wow, Santa, hey, 
there you go. And she making good cookies in that. And oh my God, that elf just cut his hand and called her. What did he call her? He called her something like a snow whore or something. Something like that. I, I just loved how the, the elves went crazy and suddenly they were just these little vulgar bags of, of evil. Uh, <laughs> as they should. <laughs> as the elves should, you know. I think elves should. So uh, I asked a group here to bring a question or a topic it, uh, that uh, they may want to talk about from this film uh, that they'd like to get the group on. And if we haven't talked about it yet, Angelique, was there something specific that maybe you wanted to bring up that we haven't talked about already? I just want to know what made Storm and Norman flip out. <laughs> Why was he so mean to William Shatner? He was being so nice to him the whole time. Like, you know, my buddy, Storm and Norman. Hey, hey. And why? Why, Norman, why? Well, it makes me wonder because we saw the card, and I didn't catch it the first time I watched it. There was the card with William Shatner, and I think it might have had to do with possibly the, the killing that happened a year ago in the basement of the school. Uh, because um, maybe it was connected to that. I don't know. Glenn, what do you think maybe set off Storm and Norman? Was just the holiday, or do you think he maybe was connected to uh, that killing in some some way? Um, no, I think it's just left. The guy didn't like Christmas for some reason, and then he's forced to do Christmas shit, even though he hates it. He probably has no one at home. He's a lonely, sad man. And he's forced to go and do this holly jolly bullshit that he doesn't want to do. And he finally snapped. <laughs> I'm, I'm just okay. remembering that Shatner going, Leonard, why don't you tell us about Christmas? And he writes out a piece of paper, fuck Christmas. And I'm just like, whoa. Don, what do you think sent him off? Just Christmas um, holiday blues? or uh, it, Sure. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely want to watch that the beginning scene some more and see if I pick up more clues. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I think there's definitely a connection in some way, either with Shantner or whatnot, and the deaths a year ago, because he calls those two characters by their first names, and he's looking at the card, and I'm like, ah, and I, but I couldn't quite catch the faces in the card because it's a little too quick. How about you, Paul? What do you think set off Santa? Uh, I agree with uh, Glenn. Uh, mostly uh, on that because I, I think he was just he's kind of overworked and he doesn't like Christmas and things just piled up everybody around him is all cheerful cheerful you know it's holidays um, you know and it's just like he's totally bombarded with all of this thing and he just he just snapped and maybe he does have some kind of tie into the what happened the, and and you have to think the the events of the, of those two people dying was exactly one year from that night Right. So, I mean, it, it definitely, you know, in, in the minds of the people there still. So, um, plus, plus, he was locked in a booth with William Shantner every day. So, yeah, no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll make anyone snap, right? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, how about you? Was there a topic or something that we haven't talked about that you want to bring to the group? So, my question uh, it has to do with uh, basically growing up, I heard nothing about Krampus, and it just seems like in the last like three to three to five years, Krampus is everywhere. It's on The Simpsons, it's on like you know all these different episodes of of things are showing up. You know, maybe not The Simpsons, but uh, you know, you just you see it everywhere. It's like in every movie now. You see movies just about Krampus, and I was just wondering, 
did that do you guys have that same experience like like Krampus seems to be like the new thing that everybody seems to want to make a holiday tradition it it seems that way glenn what about you you you're uh, you're our mythology type of uh, expert if you will what would you say is the appeal with Krampus everywhere now um well i mean first of all i mean the the way you see Krampus in the movies is not really Mm -hmm. um the actual krampus mm-hmm. um i mean they've got his depiction pretty much right you know he's supposed to be like you know half goat half man kind of thing um but i mean he's just it's it's a story told to you know to punish the bad kids you have santa who rewards the good kids krampus punishes the bad kids but it's not like he runs around just slaughtering people uh just because he likes to throw him in his sack and carry him away that's what he does Mm-hmm. I mean, they do have the chain right, hmm. but the chain is usually made for you know, he he chains people up. That's what he does. He wraps you up in chains, throws you in the sack, and carries you away. <laughs> what he does afterwards, I mean, for all we know, you know, you just you just hang out at his place. And <laughs> you just don't get sins. <laughs> you just don't get presents. You talk about your sins, you have a cup of tea, you wait till Christmas passes, and then, oh yeah, you can go back now. You just didn't get anything. But you got to hang with Krampus, so, you know. But then you have Boxing Day, so it's all good. <laughs> and there's Boxing <laughs> yes. Day. Uh, we can't forget Boxing Day. Uh, and <laughs> Sorry, I just had a couple of things pop into my head uh, involving Rocky, but uh, <laughs> 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 wrong boxing, wrong boxing. <laughs> Don, what do you think the appeal of Krampus is? Oh, I don't know. I grew up with, I grew up knowing about Krampus. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think it's, um, I think that uh, as far as entertainment goes, we are cyclical. Mm-hmm. It it comes, it goes. It's our new fad. We'll get over it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> as as far as as far as Krampus goes, I grew up, so it's mm-hmm. it's neat to see it become mainstream now. Right. Yeah, it it is interesting, and it, it's the new shtick, if you will, uh, for for it. It's like we mentioned earlier that holiday horror seems to be the big thing now as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angelique, how about you? You think Krampus, the new fad? Uh, uh, why do you think that is? <laughs> well, I mean, there's kind of an appeal to throwing bad children in sacks and beating them with sticks, but <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, it's just like Don said, it's that cyclical thing. You know, we're getting into a, a dark time and it's been kind of getting darker over the last few years. And what better to, to kind of put the cherry on top of that darkness than a horrible Christmas demon. Now that you mention it, the increase in Krampus sightings, as far as films go, increased during the election season. Huh, because election season is now like three years long. Uh, so, ah. wow, there you go. Krampus is the embodiment of evil of the elections. There we go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, Paul, what about you? What do you think is the reason for the increase in Krampus? I have no idea, which is why I wanted to know from you guys. Cool. No, that's okay. <laughs> I really have no idea. 
I've never heard of him. Uh, you know, I've just recently got into Elfie on the Shelf or Elf on the Shelf. Uh, so all these new little holiday traditions, you know, I, I, I prefer, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. I, I'm okay with that. But, and, and, but I do enjoy the fact that there's holiday horror happening a lot more. Mm-hmm. Because that that's definitely my wheelhouse. So keep keep bringing more in there, you know. Keep bringing more of these type of movies. I don't care if it's all filled with Krampus or not, you know. But we I don't think we've had a horror movie Boxing Day yet. Boxing Day, ooh, ooh. yeah, Boxing Elena type. <laughs> boxing Elena. <laughs> no, that's a whole different type of boxing. Oh, <laughs> Glenn, how about you? Was there something at all that you wanted to bring to the group today? No, I, 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 I brought my big thing of, of how this would have worked better as a as a creep show format where you just mm-hmm. did each short in its own way as opposed to breaking them up. I mean, it's it's the thing is that you have someone who does something really good, like, say, a Pulp Fiction, where you have interconnected short stories that all play together. And I think people look at that and they say, hey, we can do that, but then they don't do it right. They have a bunch of short stories that are not really connected, and just the only connection is that, oh, they all just happen to fall in the same city, or yeah. this one person knows this person, but there's no really crossover mm-hmm. as far as the actual stories intertwining for the most part. You just, and you've got the narrator, and you could have easily had the narrator doing, you know, you could have had Shatner being a, you know, crypt keeper and just telling his little stories, and then moving on to the next one and do that and. It would have, I think it would flowed much better because you wouldn't constantly broken up, like like the the Santa one, which is which was for the most part much more fast paced. Mm-hmm. You know, once once it gets going, which only takes like a minute or two, as opposed to some of the other ones where I'm like, Jesus, would something freaking happen? <laughs> um, yeah, and, it, and it just it just destroys the flow of of each of the different ones. Yeah, I will agree that they could easily. There wasn't anything too added, too added uh, by mixing up the threads. While I thought it was an interesting way to approach it, I could easily see it being probably even better had they just played each full story out, and then you see that how they refer to each other, uh, kind of like trick or treat, which this is felt like a Christmas version of trick or treat almost. Um, but at least in trick or treat as well, you, for the most part, got the one complete story. And then we moved to the next one. They were interconnected. Don, well, what do you think? Uh, the interconnection, do you think it would have been worked better, more like in the trick or treat style or the crypt keeper style? Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. Um, I didn't mind it how it was, um, but I don't think it was as, well executed as intended Mm -hmm. they were they were possibly being they thought they were being more creative and and and, hey something fresh than what they were when they didn't need to be possibly and and like and like we've already mentioned the stories and and like glenn already said Mm -hmm. the if the stories were more interesting and more connected it would have made more sense to have them um playing back and forth uh but because they weren't it makes much less sense to have had them right playing simultaneously and breaking them apart as opposed to just being Mm -hmm. played sequentially 
you needed that love actually moment near the end where you actually get more of the characters all together versus mm-hmm. uh you know maybe have them all eventually go to the mall or something i don't know <laughs> then i think yeah the that would have worked better but um yeah i think the way they did it didn't bother me too much but it could easily have been done a little more standard way and still been enjoyable uh, I think as well, except I think I agree with Glenn, maybe putting it in uh, uh, Santa Claus in the beginning and in the end, you know, start it off one way and then at the end and then uh, do that reveal. So Don, how about you? Uh, anything you wanted to talk about? We haven't talked about already. Oh no, I already asked my question. Oh, okay. That was it. That was if anybody else, if anybody, caught on to it uh, because ah, okay. I felt at first I felt like, how the heck did I miss that? Mm-hmm. And, and then apparently it was really easy to miss because it wasn't really obvious except, <laughs> you know, if you've already written a short story uh, that involving that same thing, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're an elitist like Paul, you know, the rest of us low guys who, who are, I guess, not perceptive enough. No, just kidding. Point one one percent baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even in the one percent. I'm the point one one because I'm that elite. <laughs> so uh, I hope this wet your whistle and didn't ruin it too much and make you curious about this film. I think we'll just go down the line here, get people's final thought with this. See if you would you recommend this horror film uh, for the holidays? And uh, you're just your final. Th- thought on it so don go ahead uh, would you recommend it and uh, your final thought with this film um sure for fans of of the genre of of the horror holiday horror genre absolutely i'd recommend it mm-hmm. um it was it was fun it was pretty it was pretty <laughs> it was de- there was definitely a budget here i didn't look up exactly uh, how much of a budget but there was of course, it would probably be in Canadian dollars, too. And my con- <laughs> I am a little off on my conversion skills. So, uh, no, they don't mention the, uh, the budget on this. So. Uh, so, Glenn, how about you? Would you recommend this and, and your final thought with this as far as a holiday horror film goes? Um, I, I might recommend it if someone's looking for something. Um, I don't know. I mean, if someone's just looking for a holiday horror show, I'd say uh, watch Cadaver Christmas. Mm, yes, uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, if if it's Netflix and they're looking for something, sure, I, I I'd probably say, well, this one's an all right one. It's got some good bits. Um, once you get past the first forty minutes, where about two minutes worth of stuff actually happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Paul, how about you, sir? Uh, if you're looking for something a little bit different, I definitely would recommend this film. I thought it was much better than this other film that I watched, which was Silent Night, Bloody Night from mm-hmm. 1972. <laughs> I'm really excited that about that. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah no, this, this film, much better. Recommend mm-hmm. this film. Uh, it's definitely different. Uh, things that you think are, are convention, they do kind of throw on, on its head. And then the things that you think are not, you know, out of the ordinary, they make convention, which is kind of weird. So. <laughs> Excellent. And Angelique, how about you? Oh, I totally recommend this one. It's, it's gone into my Christmas stack. <laughs> and, and I have to say, I recommend it too, especially for your direct-to-video films that are out there that are horror-themed. 
This is probably one of the better ones, and don't let the direct-to-video or the cover fool you. As Don mentioned and the others have alluded to, there is a high production value to this film. Uh, there's kind of you know that stigma, I think, for a lot of direct-to-video, and rightly so, that a lot of direct-to-video stuff has a lower production look, but there's a higher production value here than what the cover alludes to. Uh, you can tell uh, some money was put behind it, at least, to make it look pretty uh, and the stories are interesting in too and and if you're just looking if you're looking for a christmas equivalent of trick-or-treat this is probably the closest i've seen so far um as far as quality and such so yeah uh check it out if you have checked it out you can always send us a comment in our email at spoilerroom.smp at gmail.com or you can also uh message us on the facebook's on our group in the Facebook where there's the spoiler room as well. And now this is the time where we let everybody here let you know where they go when they are not gracing us here with their sweet, sweet pipes. Don, where can they find you at? You can find me at intheaudience.net. Awesome. And Glenn? You can find me on YouTube with Diet of Bunker Productions. Same as Facebook and follow me on Twitter at Diet of Bunker. Paul? You can find me in Krampus's Christmas Sack. Which, oh, I just, <laughs> wow, my brain, my brain went to the wrong sack. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I just, wow, I don't know why oh that little image just popped into my head, but wow. I put you in. Somebody's getting a visit on Krampus knocked. <laughs> yes, you will. Uh, well, b besides in Krampus's oh, sack, uh, where else can they find you at? Find me at Forsaken Film Reviews and also now at Film Jerks 2.0. Awesome. You can't get that picture out of your head now, can you, Paul? No. A <laughs> <laughs> uh. little, little eyes peeking over the edge. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Angelique, where can we find you at? Um, not in Krampus's sack. <laughs> <laughs> Either version. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, you can also uh, find me uh, along with Paul at uh, Film Tricks 2.0 on Astro Radio Z and a bunch of other shows on Astro Radio Z as well. And uh, you can also read some fun re movie reviews by myself and some cool cats at thelosthighway.com. Awesome. Thank you very much. We'll have to add your links to the website, specialmarkproductions.com, where you can find all the stuff that I work on. I'll be posting some movie reviews again soon. Haven't for a while. But you can find all of our episodes of the Spoiler Room there, as well as uh, past reviews and some other things that I work on, if you're at all interested. But definitely check out all our fine Spoiler Room crew members' links. Uh, some great stuff out there. So we appreciate you. We uh, hope uh, you enjoyed this conversation. Hope you all have a good and happy holiday. Uh, we're ending near the end of the year. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't to us yet on the iTunes. Rate and comment. We always appreciate the feedback. We are also on the Facebook. Just look for the Spoiler Room. Uh, it is there. Also, Special Mark Productions. You can check it out there as well. And Leave us a message. Let us know how you're doing or if there's a film you want to hear about on the Spoiler Room. We'd love to get your thoughts and hear what you would like us to talk about here in the spoiler room so that'll do it for us say good night everyone good night everyone good night. Uh...